Welcome to the Mormon Marriages Podcast. I am Angeline Bagley. And I am Nate Bagley. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe that the most important thing in life is your family, and the backbone of your family is your marriage. So on this podcast, we talk with couples from the church who provide amazing insights into what it takes to create a marriage that will make you look forward to eternity. It would mean a lot to us if you subscribe to the show, uh, review it on iTunes, and reach out to us if you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas to make it even better. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoy the show. Howdy. Welcome back to another episode. We love it when you come to hang out with us. Yes, we do. And we have a really fun one today for you. We always have fun episodes. Maybe we're a little biased. I like our episodes. I always enjoy our conversations. (laughs) (laughs) This one, I really do love this one because I love the person that we interviewed. Rachel Nilsson is a beautiful human. She is just all the things wonderful. I really love this conversation with her. I got so much out of it. Rachel is the host of the 3 and 30 podcast, Takeaway for Moms. Um, she's a big deal. She is a big deal. And if you haven't heard of her, her podcast, she, she, uh, every episode is three practical, actionable tips to help you have a better life. Right. She brings in awesome experts and it's amazing conversations. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's an entrepreneur. She's a podcast host. She holds a calling in her ward. And she, that's why we wanted to talk to her. It's like, right. yo, you do everything. How do you do everything? And, and let's I talk really about loved this. how refreshingly honest she was about the way that she is dealing with things and still learning in her own ways of how to juggle it all. And I think it's so relatable and... Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. I think so too. Yeah. Let's go ahead and dive in. Sounds good. Hey, Rachel. Hi. Hey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. It's an honor to have you. Well, I feel the same. I just went on a walk and listened to more of your episodes and I just love love what you're doing and that you're willing to kind of tackle some harder topics and that you have like nuanced perspectives. And I'm, so I'm just excited to be able to talk with you. Thank you. That's Um, nice. People who don't know you probably don't know what a big deal you are. Uh, So yeah, you are, you're kind of a big deal. (laughs) You're kind of a big deal. You're a bit of an internet celebrity for many, many women or many people in general. Mm -hmm. So before we dive into the conversation that I really want to have with you, I, I want you to give our listeners a little bit of context as to the podcast that you run, the three and 30 podcast and kind of how maybe a little bit of background of how that got started and why it's so important to so many people. Well, thank you. Um, So I started the podcast a couple of years ago. I was a high school English teacher before my kids were born and then decided to stay home with them, which is going to be a part of this whole discussion, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I had just always grown up thinking that I would want to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. All the women that I admired in my life were stay-at-home moms, and I fought really hard for my babies. So my son is adopted and my daughter was conceived with IVF. So I was just like ready to pour in. And suddenly found after six years of this, like, I really struggled to not be able to use my, my talent for teaching. I mean, I was teaching my littles, but it's not the type of teaching that I love to do professionally. And I was really, really unhappy and just felt like there was this big part of who I am missing because I wasn't working anymore. And so... I fought with myself back and forth about whether or not I should go back to work or what it should look like. And in the end, I decided to start this podcast instead. So I'm home with my kids, but then I do the podcast on the side. Well, and it's become much more than just on the side, but, um, and it takes a lot of what I did as a high school teacher. So I taught students to take like big, complicated ideas and boil them down into thesis statements because I taught English. And so that's what I do now with motherhood topics is there's three takeaways and I interview experts and guests and um, really get to boil down these big topics of motherhood. And I love doing it. And it has just brought so much joy back into my motherhood and into my life that was missing when I was kind of trying to do the full-time stay-at-home mom gig and it wasn't a great fit for me. So so that's a little bit of background that also kind of leads into our topic we're going to be talking about today. 100%. 100%. So um, the thing that I want to talk to you after hearing just, just a little bit about your origin story and how this all got started is you do a lot. 
You've got yeah. kids, you're married, you run a successful business. And I think in this day and age, and my guess is that you have a church calling or some sort of responsibility yes. at church, some obligation. Um, yes. it, my guess is that in this day and age, a lot of people can relate to being pulled in a million different directions all at once. Uh -huh. And I wanted to talk to you about, and this is something we haven't really talked about. We've talked mm -hmm. a little, well, how do you balance those roles? Like you've got this role of being a wife that, that is really important. You can't neglect that or your marriage falls apart. You can't neglect your kids. You can't neglect your audience that you've grown with your podcast and with your business. And you have all these different competing priorities. Um, how do you, how over the years have you kind of struggled to, or found a way to manage that balance? Well, I would say that I certainly do not have it managed. Um, this is probably the ongoing, like this is what day after day I struggle with and, and try to figure out and pray about. And um, I feel like one of my mentors, Crystal Beck, told me once that it's like a seesaw where it's all one unit, like, but sometimes one end is up and one end is down. Like yeah. She's like, some, there are going to be some seasons where you're leaning more into your home life and other seasons where you're leaning more into your work. And they're not really competing. They're all one thing. Like it's all your life's work, but there's just different areas of it. And it's okay if it's not always perfectly balanced all the time. So that's been helpful for me. But, um, but I do feel like it is an ongoing struggle. And to be perfectly honest, the, the area that I think ha that has struggled the most is my marriage. Mm. And not because of anything, like my husband is totally supportive, um, but it's just the busyness. Like, yeah. I feel like I prioritize my kids. I don't feel like they've suffered at all. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I think they've gotten better like more of me a more joyful version of me because I'm doing this work I love as well as all of the insight from these experts that I interview has made me a better mother um but I sort of feel like sometimes my husband just gets like the tired leftovers Ugh. and that like I don't want that and so that's something that I've been like really working on and kind of self-confronting is how can I still prioritize my marriage the way that I want to while I'm also doing this important work with my children and with my show? And I don't really have a great answer. I would love, <laughs> your, I would love your input too um, because this is like in my ongoing struggle. Mm -hmm. I want to grab a book off my bookshelf. Because while right, you were talking, good. it reminded me of this story and I think it's really relevant. So this book is called Off Balance on Purpose. Oh, look at that. It even has almost a teeter-totter on the front. Yeah, it has like the thing that about. you were describing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty sure I got this at a business conference. And if uh -huh. I remember correctly, the author was a professional, is a professional performer. And he rode on like a 10-foot unicycle while juggling knives during his act. Wow. And then he gave this talk about how people ask him how he keeps his balance. And he goes, my act is all about the exact opposite. It's about never being in balance. He's like, if you're on a unicycle or you're juggling, like the only way, nothing is ever perfectly equally weighted. Like you can't just get on a unicycle and just sit there. Even when you're standing up as a human being, you're constantly making little muscle corrections to keep yourself vertical. And like mm -hmm. walking is essentially just falling forward and catching yourself before you hit the ground. And he talked about how his act is all about being off balance on purpose and just realizing um, how much to compensate and when so that he can perform his, this like really successful juggling slash unicycle routine. And to me, that is what you just described is you are like a, a figurative juggler slash unicyclist and you've got a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things demanding your attention. And if you lose focus, um, something big could hit, could drop, but in order to keep everything in the air and keep things moving along, you kind of have to live off, off balance for the majority of your life. Yeah. And I do think it's so important to be constantly <laughs> assessing and saying, like where I'm at right now is me being honest with myself and saying, I don't like the balance that I have when it comes to my marriage. Like yeah. I, something right. needs to shift here. 
And some concrete things I've thought of that I want to try are like having stricter rules about phone use. Um, mm. For myself, I would love to say, you know, for both of us, but that's not up to me. So like mm. I can have that conversation with Ryan and say, I would really like it if we didn't weren't on our phones after the kids are in bed. But if he continues to do that, that's fine. But like I can be off of my phone yeah. and be emotionally present for him. Um, like that's one concrete thing that's come to mind as I've thought, I mean, we're talking like in the last week I've been thinking, yeah. what are some things I can do to get some balance back? And at night, a lot of times is when I'm like responding to Instagram comments or especially now with the quarantine and my kids are home with me. I don't have a work day really. I'm just fitting it in, which is so frustrating. And so a lot of times I'm doing that at night instead of being with Ryan. And so mm -hmm. I just need to put like some firmer boundaries around it not because I like quote should, but because I want to, like, I feel like I get this sense of like, I miss my husband. I want to put these boundaries around it so that I can feel that closeness and connection that we had before I started my podcast. And then now everything's kind of gotten askew. And like I said before, it's brought so much joy into my life. I would never want to go back to, hmm. you know, and he's supportive, but we got to find a new normal yeah. in our marriage. I love Rachel that you're so that you're talking about this right now because I feel like a lot of times when we when we interview people or we talk to people that have all the answers sometimes it can make us feel a little bit down on ourselves like how am I ever going to get to that point and it's really refreshing to hear from someone who's in the throngs of it all and like right. hey I am figuring it out from day to day I have a lot of really awesome answers and I figured out a lot of really great things in this specific area and right now I'm working on this specific area. And it's just so real. It's so real. That's where we're all at. We're all in the middle of this juggle game. And so I really love that you're willing to talk about this right now. Cause it's super refreshing. It is oh, refreshing. Thank yes. You. Thank you. I know it's like, so often we hear from people after they figured it out and they'll tell you like, yeah. I was, I was totally imbalanced and this is what I did to fix it. And now I'm not. And I'm like, no, I, I currently am totally imbalanced, <laughs> <I love it. laughs> but I'm working on it. I'm trying to figure it out. And, and I do feel like I have a whole bunch of um, thoughts and like baggage and kind of perceptions. And I don't know if you wanted to go this direction with this interview, but I also know you don't shy away from hard stuff on your show. Yeah. Let's lean into like, it. Yeah. I just with, I feel resentment about the fat, the guilt that I feel because I'm a woman. Mm, like the other day, the other day I texted my husband and I was like, has a man ever thought, especially an LDS man ever thought like, I want to work full time, but I feel guilty about that. Mm -hmm. Like that is, that is not something that men have to carry. Um, whereas for me, I'm like dying during this quarantine with my kids around 24 seven. And like in my heart, I'm like, I just wish I could work full time. Like I really do, but I feel guilty about that. And then I feel resentful that I even feel the guilt mm. about wanting to work, you know, <laughs> and Dr. Julie Hanks talks that like aspirational shame, she calls it. Mm -hmm. That like, as a woman, I feel like I have a different level of aspirational shame than my husband, um, just totally solely based on our gender, especially within the church. So that's been an interesting struggle for me as well. Um, you, you mentioned that your husband has been really supportive of you going back to work, especially after yeah. the six years of you being at home. What are some things that he has done for, for our male listeners out there? What are some things that he has done that has helped you feel supported in going back to work, even though it might be a little countercultural yeah. from, from what we've grown up in? Yeah. Um, I think just the fact that he doesn't ever complain or like, the, what would more traditionally be like maybe a woman's role of like, dinner or keeping the house picked up and those things like those things aren't happening a lot in our house and he doesn't complain about it he doesn't think of it as my responsibility he thinks of it as ours and so if he comes home and that stuff isn't done he either figures it out or he says what's the plan let's do it or like let's go get takeout but he's never made me feel like it's my job to manage all of the household and the kids it's our job together and I do have more flexibility he's a pediatric dentist so he like has patients scheduled all day long. I have more flexibility with, I can take yeah. a break to do some things, but I just have really appreciated that he has never made me feel like 
all of the home and house and kids is my job. Even yeah. when I was home full time, he didn't make me feel that way, which I know I'm super blessed to have that. But especially now that I'm working, I feel like he's very understanding of that and supportive. And just when I express some of these things to him, like when I texted him and said, has a man ever felt that, mm -hmm. you know, he like, will just listen and be like, you're right. It's not fair. Or when people will sometimes make comments like, um, we've had family members or friends say stuff like you shouldn't be outsourcing the raising of your children to somebody oh, else. Yeah. Like my daughter went to like a full day preschool <clears throat> and my husband is the first person to say like, Hey, we're not outsourcing the raising of our children. They have an extremely blessed life. They have two loving parents who are there for them. We've been very conscious about the schools that they're in and everything else. And like, Again, would this, would anybody ever say that to a man who was working, like you shouldn't be outsourcing the care of your children, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just appreciate that he's my advocate and speaks up when people say stuff like that. Yeah. I love that. I, I want to, I want to go back to what you were talking about a minute ago about the, the resentment for the shame that you feel. Yeah. Um, so I want to, can we unpack the shame piece for a minute? Because. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> shame, shame is always, I mean, I love Brene Brown in her conversations around shame. And she says, shame needs three things to thrive. It's secrecy, silence, and judgment. And so I want to know, like, what are the thoughts or what are the messages that you either are getting from our culture or that you've got rattling around inside your own head that are making you feel the shame? The things yeah. that you are trying to keep a secret, the things that you feel that there's a lot of judgment around. You kind of touched on one there about like you shouldn't outsource the, the raising, raising of, of your, your own children. children. Yeah. But is there any, are there any other messages that are kind of running through your head as you pursue this very important and noble and meaningful career outside of, in addition to yeah. um, being a family mom? Yes. Um, oh yes. I have done so much work around this. I feel like, um, of all of the factors that I have like felt guilt about in my life or with this career, my motherhood is the biggest one, particularly my motherhood within the church. So I've done a lot of deep thoughts about it. So get, get ready. Cause I've left this, but buckling in. one of my, one of the really hard lines for me that came to my head often um, was the line in the proclamation of the family that says that a woman's primary responsibility, like she's primarily responsible for the nurture of her children. And so in those years when I was home full time and was really struggling, like that line would come into my head and I would think things like, like what's wrong with me that this isn't coming more naturally. Like if this is my divine nature, I'm primarily responsible for this. Why does it feel so hard? And I felt a lot of shame to even not want to do it. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm selfish if I don't want to be the primary person nurturing my children. And that's just something I like grappled with for years and prayed and cried. And, and I feel like I really, after years of prayers and tears, um, I, I've had a few sort of like epiphany moments where I really feel like the Lord was speaking to me. And one of those is, first of all, I feel like he's just told me, I created you the way you are for a reason and you have these gifts and these desires and these skills for a reason. I put them there in you and it's not wrong to follow those. In fact, it's really fulfilling the measure of your creation. And that's a covenant that we make that will fulfill the measure of our creation. And I created you this way. And then also I feel like I've just gotten a lot of um, perspective and clarity around. I do believe that it is, a parent, and I'm going to say parent, not just mother, a parent's primarily, primary responsibility to nurture their children together, the father and the mother. But I think that a huge part of that is finding nurturing opportunities for them. Like mm -hmm. I'm, the, I'm the facilitator of the nurturing and the education that happens in my children's life. I do not have to be the only one doing all of that nurturing mm -hmm. and all of that. And that was like, I always think about that now when I think about how are we going to make this work so that my husband can work, I can work, and the kids' needs are met in a way that I feel really good about. So that means that I put a lot of research and thought and prayer into the summer camps they go to, into the preschool that my 
my daughter went to, all of those things. And I can tell you that seeing the, her with her teachers who have totally different talents and skill sets than me and how beautifully they nurtured her in a way that I couldn't have nurtured her. She went to a Waldorf preschool where they like baked bread and did handicrafts and all this stuff. And like, I, when I saw her with them, I'm like, oh my goodness, they are nurturing her so well. And I facilitated that by making sure she was in a good place. So I'm still fulfilling that God-given role of being primarily responsible for her nurturing. So that's helped me a lot. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds like it turned into more of a stewardship conversation. Like you've got a Lord of the vineyard, but that doesn't mean that the Lord has to prune every tree and, and fertilize it and like burn all the brand, whatever, whatever goes into running a vineyard. Like he doesn't have to do everything. He can hire servants. He can hire people to help him out. Specialists, people who are really good at specific things. I I love that you've taken on the stewardship of that role instead of being like the, the only provider of that role. Yes. And I love that you just brought up the Lord of the vineyard because another big thing that I've realized is that I am not my children's savior. They, they already have a savior and it's not me. And Hmm. I think so many uh, mothers, I talk to women in my workshops and stuff and they tell me like, I need to teach my children honesty and integrity and math and make sure they're on track for reading. And I need to teach them social skills and make sure they're getting the athletics that they need. And, And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you really feel like you need to be your child's savior. You can't do all of that. Like Mm -hmm. you can love them fully. You can facilitate nurturing opportunities for them. Then you have to believe that Jesus has got it. Like he's their savior and you just need to rely on, on him and love them. Like that's all that he's asked you to be. He hasn't asked you to be their savior. He's asked you to be their mother. And there's a big difference there. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's really huge. Um, One of the things that, one of the things that came to mind when you were talking about wanting to spend less time on your phone is that this is a conversation that we've had ongoing in Mm -hmm. our relationship as well. And we were having a conversation this weekend. I'd love to hear what you think about it, but um, we're having a conversation this weekend about how the things that we often resent most in our partner or get frustrated the most are actually the problems that we also struggle with. 100%. Yeah. So it's like, I'll start to feel like, Oh, I'm feeling kind of gross. Or this is probably more of an Angeline thing she'll start to notice that she's feeling a little gross and want to eat more healthy and then gets mad at me for eating like crap (laughs) or, or I'm like spending all day on the computer, like 12 hours on the computer doing my work and entertainment and all sorts of other stuff. And then I'll come downstairs and Angela's on her phone and I'm like, could we just have less screen time? And I'm really judging myself (laughs) for all the screen time that I've had, but it's just being reflected to her. And I I think that's a really, I don't know. How do, do you think, do you see that in yourself that the things that you, res, that you kind of resent or want to change in your marriage are also just things that you struggle with yourself? 1000%. In fact, and I think that's all been magnified with this quarantine yeah. because uh-huh. we're spending so much time together. Um, and I, you know, there's all these memes going around of like people who saying like, now that I'm stuck with my spouse full time, like, it's not good for your marriage, you know, and just funny mm-hmm. things about how people are so annoyed. There was yeah. a really funny one I watched of this woman like hiding in the closet from her husband. And she's like, I realized I want a man in my life, but not in my house. Oh, <laughs> and, like just All of that. But I think the reason why, as I was thinking about this the other day, I'm like, why am I feeling more annoyed with Ryan lately? Like is exactly what you just said, Nate. I think that I want him to be good at all of the things that I'm not good at. And so like neither of us is very good at having a schedule or like we're not super organized. And so this whole quarantine, we've been like, okay, tomorrow's the day. Like we are going to, we're going to, and he's back to work now, but he was home for about seven weeks as a dentist. And it was like, you know, we're going to get up early and we're going to do the homeschool and we're going to, we'd like write out these schedules and neither of us could stick to it. And so I think I was just so annoyed with him that he couldn't do what I couldn't do either. I'm like, one of us needs to be good at this and you're annoying me that you can't (laughs) fix this for me, you know? And so just having awareness around that, I think has made me kind of laugh it off instead of being so mad at him that he's not perfect. Like I'm not perfect. (laughs) That is a really good thing to be aware of. Like if I'm feeling annoyed with Nate, what might he be reflecting back on me? that I could work on? What is it that maybe 
he's triggering in me by, by his actions. And I've heard like Jennifer Finlayson Fife, who I know you guys know well, I've heard her say to look at your resentments as like a window to your desires. Mm -hmm. So women who are like, I don't even know what I want. You know, they've like totally lost sight of their desires. She's like, well, what are you resentful of? And then like that that shows what you want, you know, and which I think goes back to kind of our earlier conversation because I was so resentful and jealous of my husband going to work during all those years that I was home. I'm like, he gets to go to work and use his brain and talk to people. And like, that's kind of ridiculous to feel resentful of your husband going to support your family. But it was revealing of the fact that I wanted to be with people and, yeah. and thinking and using my skills. And so rather than continuing to project that onto him and feeling resentful, I had to figure out a way to meet that desire in a way that our, that, you know, our whole family could continue functioning well and not saying my desires matter more than everybody else's, but saying my desires matter as much as everyone else's in this family, which I think is really hard for a lot of women. Oh, that's a brave thing to say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and again, Dr. Julie Hanks talks about that, like you're, you have to include yourself in your circle of care in your family and that your desires matter just as much as your husband's and as your children's, not more, not less. It's a, it's a family circle where everybody's desires matter and women don't naturally, especially maybe women in the church are like embarrassed to say that or to think that, or they think that it's selfish. And there's definitely going to be times within family life where you choose to sacrifice some of your desires. Um, like, when you're pregnant and really sick and, mm-hmm. or I'm looking at you, I know you had that experience. Um, or like when you have brand new babies, obviously you're not going to be like, well, my desires matter just as much as this newborn babies. Uh-huh. Yeah. But when you're, when you're all in a good emotionally functioning place, it's okay to say my desires matter as much as my husband's and as much as my children's. And we can all get all of our needs met in the family. And that goes back to the balance conversation of some, some days or some stages in life, the balances are going to switch and it's going to go like this. As long as it doesn't yes. stay right. lopsided. It's a constantly yes. evolving situation mm-hmm. that changes based on stages. I, I'm finding, uh, I've been noodling with this idea a little bit lately and I, I, I feel like a lot of people are some of their resentments are coming from a place of feeling like their roles that they play in life are are the same as their identity. And I feel like I'll try and explain, but I feel like your identity is, are your values. It's like the things that matter most to you. It's who you are as a person deep down inside. And like, for example, Rachel, as a person, you know, you are ambitious, you're creative, you like to teach, you know, these are, these are things that make you who you are. And being a mother is a role. And being an entrepreneur is a role and being a wife is a role. And if all of your identity gets wrapped up in one of those roles or, or if your identity becomes those roles, especially if those roles are temporary, you can lose who you are. And so what I heard kind of in your story is that you were almost feeling guilt and shame that the role of motherhood wasn't also your identity. Mm. And, and when you realized that like, Hey, motherhood is a role that I get to play. And not only that, but I get to use the skills that I have as a person, as an individual, I can take my identity and apply those skills to to like executing in this role to the best of my capacity and use my strengths to really be a great mother, but in my own way, it actually helped you enjoy motherhood more instead of feeling guilty that you weren't the quote unquote ideal mother. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. I think you've just given words to something that I hadn't really thought of, but yeah, when, when my whole identity felt wrapped up in that role, it didn't match. It wasn't aligned. I could tell that something was off that I wasn't fully like uh, portraying my identity in a way that felt aligned. And now I do feel like I'm much more able to do that. I do still think I get too caught up in certain roles sometimes and let those become my identity. And that's where, yeah. And I think you have to be careful with that, you know, and, um, and just come back to who you are and your values and how you can portray them in those different roles. Love it. 
So let's go back. Let's go back to this analogy of being a little off balance right now. And you were talking about how you're kind of in the thick of it and you wish that your marriage could get a little extra attention. I want to ask you some questions that have been around in my head. Um, And I want you, I want you to give me some advice too, because I know you've done a lot of study and a lot of work with this. I'll give you some advice in the form of questions. Okay. Uh, And we'll see where it goes. But my first question is, when was the last time or a recent time where you felt really connected and like filled up with your husband? Hmm. I think a couple of different times come to mind. Um, A couple of months ago, we took the weekend before quarantine. So this was like in February Mm -hmm. and we went to Georgia Anderson's um, training. I know I love her too. And just the time with him, like driving in the car down to Utah, because we live in Idaho, and like the biggest takeaway that I had from the whole thing was just how good it feels to listen to my husband mm-hmm. and to be with him without any distractions or work on the brain. Like I had just been like, this weekend is for Ryan, and we're just going to talk, and we went through the like Gottman questions, the pack, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the card and, deck. Like, it, I just loved listening to him and just being with him and not thinking Have about you downloaded the app, by the way? I know there is an app, but I, yeah. don't, I haven't done it Download the Gottman Card Decks app because we, okay. we love the cards too. And then we found out that they have all of them for free on an app. Perfect. It's amazing. Okay. Um, okay. So that's a really great, so you had time set aside. You were alone without distractions. You asked each other meaningful questions. And that yeah. really, how did you feel in that moment? Well, I just felt really uh, present with him and like it, I felt so good. It felt so, it goes back to something I said earlier in the conversation about how it wasn't that I felt like I should, like I should be really present with Ryan. It was like, I want to, because I've missed this so much and it does so much for me. This isn't like just an obligation. It's I've missed my best friend and that's how it felt that weekend. And what I loved about that is just we had enough time because sometimes I feel like when we go on a date night and I try to recreate that, like my, it's hard to shut down my mind and my work. And so it feels more forced than when you have a whole weekend where you can really get out of work mode and get into connection mode. But we did have a, we did have a date recently, which is my other time I thought of where um, we just went and got takeout and just like laid on the lawn and the sun was out and just talked. And that was one of those rare times when for whatever reason I was able to get into that place, even though it was only like an hour or two and we just talked and hung out. So yeah, those are the two times that come to mind. Have you heard the two by two by two rule? No, I don't know if this is a popular thing or not, but this is something that that my friend Laura Heck and I talk about when we do our seven principles courses. Yeah, she, She talks about how every two weeks you should go on like a fun date night. You know, maybe every week would be ideal, but at least every two weeks and then every two months you should get away for like an evening and Mm -hmm. maybe even a weekend. And then every two years you should go on a solo vacation together. I love it. But but her whole idea is like, you know, every week or so create time where you get a couple hours to yourself. And then every two months, like make sure you're taking like an overnight getaway, like drop the kids off at a neighbor's house and do a sleepover or the cousins or a grandma and like go stay at a hotel, go camping, go do something where it's just the two of you for more than a date, you know? Yes. Oh, I feel like I told Ryan recently after we did one of those weekends away, I'm like, I swear if people, I mean, this is a gross generalization, (laughs) but if, if, people did this quarterly, people wouldn't get divorced. And I'm like, obviously there's like, there's, there's times when people would get divorced when there's bigger things at play. But I think like a marriage that was at one time healthy, that has just just disconnected and grown apart. Like if we did this every quarter, there would be so, there'd be way fewer divorces. You know, I just, so I need to take my own advice and make sure that that happens every quarter. Yeah. At least or every two months. Think like attach it to your car. Not literally, but if you change your oil in your car, or you get a tune-up in your car every couple of months or every thousand some odd miles, you should do the same thing for your marriage. Like it's just great to have maintenance. You know, yeah. do a, do a quarterly oil change or tune-up for your marriage where you just go get away, unplug, turn off your phones 
for a couple couple hours a day and just like having full conversations and make out a little bit and go on an adventure and get your endorphins pumping and give each other a massage and you know yeah, go do totally. something that you've been putting off because you haven't been able to do because you, you're with kids all the time and you're absolutely right like if you want to keep a car running you got to give it regular maintenance and if you want to keep a marriage running we have this belief that if I just marry the right person it'll all work out but it really does require some maintenance. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I just read on Facebook, someone asked, like, what's a sacrifice that you are willing to make today to have the marriage of your dreams? I think you saw that post. because I know exactly who wrote that. Monica Tanner. Uh, I don't know if you saw someone underneath said, once you meet the right person, you won't have to make any sacrifices. And Monica (laughs) Monica commented back and said, interesting, are you married? (laughs) And I'm like... Exactly. Like that's not, you don't just meet the right person and it's bliss and you never make any sacrifices and you never have disconnection. You know, it's a continual investing and maintenance, like you said, into that relationship. For real, for real. So yeah, that's, I mean, just going back to your situation, that would be one of the first things that I would do is start blocking in some of that time. And I know you're not great with schedules, but stick to it, stick to a ritual And I feel like, um, especially if you plan it ahead, like around certain things, like we always go away for our anniversary weekend. We always Mm -hmm. go away for Valentine's, whatever that makes it so that I actually stick more to my schedules and routines because it's kind of anchored to something. Mm -hmm. And like you sometimes have to save up for childcare because that's the thing people will tell me. And even I, myself, I'm like, it's just so expensive if you don't have family right there. And, but it's, if that's a cop out, like find that if you find another couple that's in a similar financial trade. place to you and trade or save and sacrifice some, maybe going out to dinner weekly to save for your getaway later, because I really think that time, that concentrated longer block of time, it makes a huge difference in my marriage anyway. It's like an investment. You, yes. you, it costs money to get your oil changed if we're going with this analogy, but the investment in the long run is your car is going to run a lot longer and it's going to be less expensive than having this huge engine replacement, engine replacement later. And it's the same oh, yeah. with your marriage, even though it costs a little bit of money that requires a sacrifice, it has a positive return. I have a hard time believing that, that people if they got creative and I get like not wanting to leave your kids with strangers or people that you don't know and trust. But if this is something that's really important to you, you can make an effort to start creating those relationships with people who could step in and watch your kids overnight. Like it's even if you're not gone for long, even if you have a, you put your kids to bed and then you have the sitter come over and just stay there in case somebody wakes up sick, they can call you. And then you come back the next day in the late morning or late or early afternoon. Like, shouldn't be that huge of a stressor. Yes, for sure. It's I don't know. Totally worth it. This is the guy that doesn't have a fully formed human that he's taking care of yet. So right. it'll, I don't want to make it all come into perspective. But, I, but I, tr- I truly believe that if you are creative, you can solve any problem. So I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. What about if you had to guess what your husband's answer to that question is, what would you guess? Like the most recent, mm-hmm. one of the more recent times where he felt like really loved and just alive spending time with you? Yes. Um, I'm not totally sure. And I'm going to ask him now that <laughs> I'm going to ask him that tonight, but I think probably he would say similar. Um, I don't know if you'd think as far back as February and talk about that, but I bet he would say that just cause that was just last weekend that we went, and had takeout on the blanket, you know? And yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure that he loved that as much as I did, but I think he did. So it's a safe bet. Yeah. yeah that probably a that question to, to ask. Yeah. Your reference. Do you guys make out a lot? No, not enough. <laughs> and I know you recommended the six second kiss on my podcast. Yeah. So and, and we did it regularly until Angeline got pregnant and her sense of smell became, she got so paranoid that she would vomit in my mouth that we stopped <laughs> we stopped kissing as much. I'm really excited for the day where I can come home and plant a big one on her. But it it's a little thing that makes a big difference. It's a little yes. thing. That, to me, it's like 
when you can give somebody a passionate kiss, it's a reminder of this is the kind of relationship we have. It's like a close, intimate, flirty, fun, playful relationship, not a mm. boring, monotonous roommate kind of relationship. Yes. Like business partnership, you know, we manage yeah, yeah. life and we manage the children and we, but yes, playful. I feel like that's something that when I, cause I attended your, um, your night with the Gottmans, yeah. which was excellent by the way. Thanks. And I think that was the biggest takeaway that I got from listening to them was just the importance of being more playful in my marriage. Mm. And also when he said, or she said, I think he said, um, like when the world, when your partner's upset, the world stops and you listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, how often am I like staring at your phone, my phone or distracted or thinking about work versus being more focused on him when he's upset. And, and Ryan has the personality where he's never going to like cause a big fuss. He's never going to ask for the attention. He's really, qu- he's quiet. He's not demanding of anything really. And so I kind of have to be watching for the signs that he needs me and then be there, you know, and that's been, that's not always easy for me when I'm engrossed in my work. So that's what I'm working on now. I love that. Well, this has been a really great conversation. Yeah. Um, going back to the, to the balancing the wife, mother, entrepreneur. business, entrepreneur, all that. Let's say there's somebody who's in your shoes during that six years when you're a stay-at-home mom, having these same similar feelings, what would you tell them? Mm. Um, <laughs> I would tell them that I, I feel like when women ask me this in my workshops, they're like, how did you know? Like, how did you know? Because so many women feel like this piece is missing or this dissatisfaction, but they don't know what it is, quote, what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And I think, first of all, to look at your resentments, like Dr. Fife talked about, um, that those can be a window or a key, a clue to what you want to be doing. And then I also tell people to just kind of like follow the breadcrumbs of their interests and start doing those things. So one of my first steps was that I started writing for a website called Power of Moms. And I just saw that they were like accepting submissions and I really missed writing. And so I submitted an article and then it got accepted and I submitted a few more and then they sent out a call for um, editors and it was a volunteer position, but I was excited to do it. So I took that and then I recorded a podcast with them. And then, so it's not like I woke up and was like, my calling is podcast. It's like over time, I slowly invested in my interests and like trusted that it was okay with Heavenly Father for me to do that. And then I feel like he really guided me to get more confident in figuring out how I could be fully myself in my work outside my home or in addition to my home and within my home and that it was okay with him. Like it was just, I sort of say it was like layers of permission. Like Mm -hmm. I slowly gave myself permission and felt like he gave me permission to like do one and then a little more and a little more until finally I was like, when I, when we first put my daughter in a full day preschool, I struggled and felt guilty about that. But then when I saw how much she was thriving, like little by little, I'm like, this is okay. What I'm doing Mm -hmm. is okay. And I felt God's approval, but I just sort of had to follow those breadcrumbs. If that makes sense. And I think that's so applicable in any situation, really. Like, let's say you're a woman who, who is out working and resenting their work and wanting to be home with their kids. It's the same formula. It's kind of a plug and play to follow those breadcrumbs, look at what you're resenting and know that your life doesn't have to look like neighbor Sally's life or Relief Society president Judy's life. (laughs) Come on, Judy. (laughs) And my my daughter's name is Sally. So that's funny. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think so often we can decide that we don't have an option. Like I could see a woman who's working full time and resenting that thinking like financially, I don't have an option. I have to continue doing this. And there are cases when that may be true, but I think a lot of times we just need to start following breadcrumbs and getting creative and looking for options and looking for solutions and saying like telling heavenly father, you know, people say this, like put it out to the universe. I'm like, well, yeah, that's heavenly father. And saying like, 
in, in a few years, I would love for this to be my reality, for me to be home more. And, and what can I start doing today to maybe start moving me down that path? Right. Um, those, those are the breadcrumbs, I think. Yeah. It, it comes down to that curiosity. Like, I mean, if we run with that example, maybe there is a woman who's, she's working and she's like, I'm stuck here. This is, the, if I leave, we can't pay the bills. So like, great. Okay. Take a step back. Do you have debt you can pay down? And if so, what's the timeline? So maybe you can make an 18 month plan or a 12 month plan to be really aggressive and pay down that debt. And when that debt's gone, you don't need as much of that income. Or maybe it's like uh, you, you bought too much house or maybe you're making car payments for cars that are, you know, expenses. And could yeah. you down, could you downsize your car to like a, a more affordable car or could you, you know, be patient with the market and find an, an opportunity to sell your house and move to a place that's a little bit more affordable. Could you find a contractor position that allows you to work from home and maybe you get more interaction with your kids that way? Like there's a lot of creative ways to approach a solution and you have more control over your life than sometimes we think we do. Yes. And I totally agree with that. I think if you really take an honest look at all of the factors that are keeping you stuck, you'll find that you have power to adjust or change those factors. If not immediately, at least over time. I love, we um, talked to Celeste Davis once about this idea of you're not allowed to tell yourself, I don't know. If you're in a situation and you just, I just, I don't know how to get out of the situation. You have to tell yourself, well, if I did know how to get out of the situation, what are 10 things I could do? And you'd surprise yourself at being able to find those breadcrumbs. Like you said, you may not think that, you know, but you really do. There are things that you can do. And I think sometimes just even the exercise of brainstorming 10 ways, even if they're way far-fetched, crazy, stupid, it just, ideas, yeah. like it just gets you thinking. It gets you like entertaining ideas and also asking other people and saying, okay, if you were going to give me 10 ways to make this happen and talking through it, you'll be surprised by what you come up with. Another thing that I think is powerful about that exercise is sometimes when you give yourself permission to do something, you realize that you actually don't want to do it. And so, so like, so true. Here's an example. And this applies totally to marriage. Um, I have a really good friend who um, she had a husband who was like a serial entrepreneur, but his ventures had never really taken off. And so they just always felt like she felt like, they were just struggling financially. They could never get ahead. And it was all because of her husband and his harebrained ideas. And so she just carried a lot of resentment. And she said one night she was praying and she was just pouring all this out and saying like, you know, and it just makes everything hard and blah, blah, blah. And this thought came into her head and said, the thought said, you can leave if you want to. And she like, it was the first time that she thought like, that's an option. She was like, what? I can leave. I'm allowed to leave. I don't want to leave. And she was like, as soon as she realized it was an option, she realized that she had a choice and she wanted to stay in her marriage and she loved her husband and they were going to figure out a way to make it work. And I just thought that's so powerful. I think about that so often, like give yourself permission and you'll see what you actually want to do. Wow. That's fascinating. What an awesome story. Yeah. That's really cool. You're wise. Very wise. Wise, Rachel the wise. <laughs> I'm, I'm a collector of, I remember stories people tell me that are wise. The other people are wise. And then I just share yeah, the stories. I love how you show up and you're like, I'm, I just don't know if I have the answers. And I just, you know, I'm dealing with those own stuff, my own stuff right now. And then we sit down and you're just like, here's all the answers. You <laughs> no. do. Like you have, it's, it's kind of like what Angie just said. You have, you have them inside you. You yes, know, you know what to do. I mean, there's a definitely a gap between knowing and doing. And I think that's the hardest gap to bridge sometimes is just being tired and your body loves routine and your brain loves routine. And, you know, we love what's comfortable and slipping into Netflix at night or your phone at night and scrolling on Instagram is way easier than reading a book out loud together or sitting down and having a meaningful conversation But when you really get clear that that's what you want and you start to identify that this is who I am, this is the person that I am, is I'm a person who makes space for this stuff, even when it's hard, Mm -hmm. everything changes. Yes. So Rachel, if our listeners want more of this wisdom, where can they find you? Yeah. (laughs) If they want to hear me share more of other people's wise stories, they can come (laughs) to three and 30 podcast. So, um, in, 
a podcast app. It's three and 30 takeaways for moms. And that's the number three, I am three zero. And they're all separate words. And then on Instagram, it's three and 30 podcast. And I just love it. I'm so grateful that God led me to this work and to this community. And it's really my, my life's passion right along with my family. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to share more about it. Yeah, Yeah. of course. Thanks for being willing to be honest about where you're at and to lead by example uh, in like doing this work of being true to yourself and figuring out how to balance all these roles and responsibilities. It's inspiring. Thank you. Very much so. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another amazing episode. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, what should they do? Well, first of all, you should go to 3 and 30 Podcasts and check out Rachel Nelson and listen to all of her wisdom. Support her. And yes. all of the guests that she brings onto her podcast. And also, if you liked it, share it yeah. with someone that you think Take would enjoy Take a little screenshot it. of the, the time stamp where you enjoyed listening the most, Some, like a big takeaway and... Post it on Instagram or Facebook and tag us. And something that's also a huge help to us is if you head o- over to iTunes and give us mm. a rating. It, that is more helpful than you realize. It helps It helps so that other people who are searching for a podcast like this can find it. It makes yes. it more discoverable the more ratings and reviews that we have on there. So, Can I throw in one more shout out before we please. leave? So um, some of you might be feeling a little bit of tension or stress right now. Or you might be feeling like, hey, our relationship needs a little bit of a tune-up. So I am teaming up with my friend Laura Heck, who's a marriage and family therapist, and we are doing our first ever virtual couples workshop. It's like a it's like a tune up for your marriage, just like you would give your your car a tune up, or you would go get a physical from the doctor for your body. This is that for your marriage. Um, it's like the second week of July. You can get details if you just go to utahdatenight.com, but you can attend anywhere, even if you live outside that's, of Utah. That's the cool thing about this one is we've talked about it before for everyone who lives locally, but now yep. this is somewhere where yep. anyone around the world, wherever you are, can come and hang out with Nate. Yep. With all this craziness that's been going on in the world uh, over these last couple of months, I know um, a lot of people, it, it makes sense to fortify your family and fortify your marriage and and maybe um, get some tools and, pr- and principles and mindsets in your tool belts to help you um, deal with any struggles that may have popped up or or feel prepared to deal with any struggles that might come up in the future. And um, everything that we teach is based on research. It's a lot of fun. We've got amazing testimonials from people who have attended in the past. We've done tons of these live. This will be the first virtual one, so we can finally get people outside of Utah to come. Yeah. I mean, we've had people like fly in from Colorado and Idaho and stuff to attend in the past, but this is a little bit more far-reaching. So we'd love to have you there. Just check out the details go to utahdatenight.com and it'll take you to a link where you can see the dates and times and everything awesome okay guys all right everybody have a wonderful day we love you